welcome to this latest edition of Spirit of given what's happened to Stan Bowles. Um, talk us through um, the documentary on Sunday, Phil, and, and kind of what's, what's come from that and, and what we should know and what we should be talking about. Yeah, well, it was, um, it was led by Alan Shearer, for anyone who, who hasn't seen it. And, and basically what he was wanting to do was um, just shed a little bit of light on an issue which hasn't really been spoken about in a great deal. Um, over the last few years, for example, um, after Fabrice Mwamba, um, during when he when he collapsed on the pitch, um, a lot more has been done about um, like cardiovascular issues on the pitch, about um, getting a defibrillators, that kind of stuff at uh, football grounds, and taking a lot more care of footballers' hearts and that kind of side of things. Um, but nothing really has been mentioned about um, like the potential risk of dementia um, when you're talking about players who, who played the game. Um, recently and a long time ago as well. Swallenshire was just doing a, a documentary to kind of examine it and kind of shed a little bit of light on, on the issue as well. So um, it was it was a really good watch for anyone who, who hadn't seen it. So he went and got a, an MRI scan himself, got his, his brain checked and they were doing like experiments to see the um, like the, the change in brain function before he'd headed the ball, after he'd headed the ball, I think, I think he headed the ball like 20 times or something and then measured it after that. Is that um, was it all with um, with new balls, or did they use some some of the old it was, balls? It was it was with new balls, but they did try the uh, the old ones as well. And I don't think he I don't think he headed the old ball, but it was it was something ridiculous. Like the weight of an old football <laughs> changed nearly twofold when it was when it was right. wet because it just soaked up the yeah. water. So they they were just ridiculously heavy at that point, which was part of uh, part of the issue. So um, they were talking to families of former players. We're talking to uh, to Jeff Astle, who used to play for uh, for West Brom. Um, we were talking to uh, the son of Nobby Siles as well, obviously in the England team of 1966, both of whom um, were diagnosed with dementia in, uh, in later life. And uh, yeah, it just got me thinking from a QPR point of view about, about Stan Balls. Um, obviously, he's been suffering with Alzheimer's at the moment, and I suppose it just kind of opens up that debate of whether football played a part in him developing that, uh, that illness over over that amount of time. So um, yeah, It's a big it, issue we should be talking about, really, isn't it? As you mentioned, obviously, we're... We're focused on on the heart issues and everything because of what's happened with people collapsing on the pitch, but the kind of the dementia and the heading doesn't really get spoken about as much. So it needed someone like Alan Shearer to come out and and start focusing on it, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And obviously, because a few players, a few like high-profile players, have been suffering with these kind of illnesses, and there hasn't been a great deal of research done so far. But what they have looked at is the weight of the footballs back then, and they're talking about players headering the ball and people make a living out of headering the football and how much damage is that doing when um, when they are doing it on a, not not just on a match day but they're doing it Monday to Friday mm-hmm. and training every day as well so it just kind of opened up the, the debate um, to see like where, how much of an impact it is making whether professional footballers are at a, a higher risk of uh, developing dementia to what someone in uh, a I suppose like a standard nine to five job would be and whether it goes down as an occupational hazard and I suppose going on from that whether 
people in football should be assisting former players if they if they are suffering with dementia, Alzheimer's, having to go into a home? Should like the football association be helping fund that kind of care so it's not falling on a family and they're having to take on the burden of that? So um, quite a thought-provoking documentary, and um, yeah, certainly came with a few a few questions to for a lot of people to consider. So um, I suppose Clive Clive uh, Yulton here used to uh, used to be a footballer back in his heyday. Uh, probably quite a, a good person to, uh, to speak to about it. So, Clive, do, do you think it's a concern? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I used to hear the ball a lot. It probably accounts for quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, in those days, I remember playing as a kid in the 70s. Um, there was a heavier ball, you know, there's a leather ball with laces and all sorts sticking out of it, and they weren't particularly heavy. Um, it was good that Alan Shearer was the man to, to bring this to the fore because. He's a centre forward, he won loads of headers, and was renowned for his heading ability. So um, for him to have something in the back of his mind thinking, am I affected? That was quite poignant, I think. It was uh, interesting to see him going for his, his MRI scan. He was quite nervous about it, wasn't he? Because he wanted to see whether his brain had been impaired. But uh, going back to Stan Bowles, that is an interesting one, because I remember him playing very well in the mid-70s in a fantastic TPR team. He was a silky midfield player, um, all left foot, and I don't remember him being particularly fantastic in the air, or winning a lot of headers, or that wasn't his game. So, you know, if it's affected him, then, you know, players who, who did head the ball a lot, I, I guess they're in, um, they could be in a lot more trouble in that respect, if it if indeed it was linked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, well, that, that's kind of what they're, what they're wanting to do, and just doing a little bit more research into um, people who are, who are suffering with dementia, people who are still still alive and people who were like sadly passed away and uh, wanting to do that research into ju- just how that happened, whether it came about through natural causes, mm. whether the impact of heading the ball on a, on a daily basis uh, played, a, played a big part in it as well. And um, one, of the, one of the other key debates to come out of it was about children heading football, obviously professional footballers and a lot of them at the highest levels that get paid vast amounts of money and um, although it's not particularly nice potential occupational hazard to have uh, they are getting paid for it whereas children coming into the game at five six seven years of age and they're getting trained to head the ball from from that age and there's quite a lot of emphasis on it so the question is should children be heading footballs from that age or should they not be introduced to it at that point should they be being taught how to head the ball later on what do you you think man well, they introduced softballs, didn't they, for training? And I think that's a very good idea in terms of children. A, a child's brain isn't fully developed, is it, until they're, I don't know, 12, 13, yeah. 14. And it was interesting listening to John Terry because obviously he's someone who's headed the football a lot. And it shows you that there isn't really enough research done at the moment. There isn't really that concern because he was directly asked, would you tell your daughter not to hit the football? And, she, and he said, no, I would always tell her to go and attack the ball. Typical John Terry statement. But he said she is my world, but I would always, he tempted it by saying, he, I would always say, go, go and attack it. Mm. So that sort of is a bit conflicting, isn't it? Mm. I, think, I, think that's, I think part of it is the fact that because there isn't a huge amount of research yet, people are kind of like veering away from saying they, they wouldn't let the child head the ball because they, they don't know yet whether the impact is there. But Lee, you've got you've got two kids. What what would your take on it be? I'd I'd question how much of an issue there is now given the balls that we're using these days compared to when 
when you were playing Clive in the 70s and 80s, the, the technology around footballs has vastly improved, isn't it? Technology in all areas of, um, of society has vastly improved. Um, and you've, you've got to question whether or not it's actually affecting people these days as much as it was back in the day. Um, it would be interesting to find out if they could do some research into kind of brain function and, and what's happening in the brain when you're heading a football and after you're heading a football with the balls that we've got now in comparison to what we used to be using. Um, because I would wager that there's more of an issue with players having played through the 60s, 70s, 80s than there would be now with the lighter balls that we have. Um, I mean, they, they fly around all over the place these days, don't they? You, you kind of think they're, they're almost just made of air inside rather than actually having a, a leather casing. Um, and in a lot of cases, I don't think they even have leather on them anymore, do they? I think they're, they're made of different substances. So it's, it's also a case of, has it only affected professionals and semi-professionals? And Alan Shearer was saying he had football, I don't know, 200 times a day in training. And he's done that every single day. Um, so does it just affect professional football or is it just someone who goes out on a Sunday morning and wins a few in the air and uh, are they going to be just as at risk? And I think it's it's all down to, to research. We don't even know, no one knows, how many players who played in the 50s, 60s, 70s have either had dementia or have died of dementia or, or whatever. So You've just got to think about how many players there were around and how, how, how much do we hear about any of them? We only hear about some of the, the big names now. There's, the, the, as you say, there are thousands out there who, or you just haven't even come forward and said, "Oh, this could be related. My my illness could be related to to playing football." We, we just don't know about them because some people are just refined to their own lives, aren't they? They don't they don't come out and, and start talking about these things. Yeah. They, some people just prefer to be left alone and, and to their own family life and, yeah. and don't want to get caught up in anything like this. Interestingly, Chris Nichol, the Aston Villa defender, was saying he's got uh, memory problems now, but he won't go to the doctor. Mm. And she said, why don't you go to the doctor? And he said, no, I don't want to go to the doctor. Mm. I just know that I'm having some memory mm. issues. So it's, perhaps it's a man thing as well, isn't it? People have to come forward, don't they? Yeah. We, we're never going to get to the bottom of any research unless people come forward and, like Alan Shearer, um, offer to, to put themselves to the test, put their brain under the microscope, as it were, and, and, and find out what's, what's going on in there. I don't think anyone knows really what's going on inside no. our heads, do they? No. Um, Am I right in thinking that Alan Shearer has uh, offered to donate his brain um, yeah, to the research yeah, once, he's, once he dies? Yeah, on social media, yeah, which is obviously... Uh... Yeah, I just said once he dies. <laughs> yeah, no, not right now. <laughs> he would be a huge miss on Match of the Day. <laughs> no, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a really thought-provoking documentary. And, and Clive, obviously, you, you, for anyone who doesn't know, Clive was uh, an aerial force to be reckoned with back in his, uh, his footballing heyday. and um, Playing for the likes of Woking and, and Leatherhead uh, amongst others, I'm sure you could reel off a, a number of teams that he played for. Yeah, we're not going back to the 50s, 60s. Mm. I'm talking about the mid-80s when I played. The footballs weren't those big, brown, mm. heavy, horrible things. So, um, they were still heavy though, weren't they? Yeah, um, I guess they were heavier than they are today. Yeah. So. But for, for someone who was playing football um, that regularly, but having watched that documentary, was it... Was it a concern for you? Did it make you, did it make you worried or think about that side of things a bit more? It doesn't make me worried. I mean, we're all going to die, aren't we? But something, and probably something else will strike me down. Who knows? None of us know, thankfully. But uh, of course it makes you think about the fact that you used to hit the ball a lot. But then I'm thinking thousands of players keep you know, hitting the ball a lot in those days. Are they all thinking the same thing? 
have I done something else? You know, it's just one of those things that unless you do the research, you're never going to get to the bottom of it. I never liked heading the ball myself anyway. I was always too scared to head the ball myself. John Terry's, you know, that's, that's a case in point. He wants his daughter to go and take the ball because he wants her to be a good player and be recognised and, and that's what she's got to do if she's in that position. So, mm. um, Heading's almost a dying art these days, isn't it? Yeah, they did say that because the likes of Man City, the way they play football, it's n- not really in the air, is it? Mm. In the old days, it was more of a pump up the field and head the ball on. Mm. I mean, so, in, in, uh, they were saying on the documentary that in, in the USA, apparently, they've uh, banned children from heading footballs over there, so is that something that you think should should be done over here, or at least as a precautionary measure until the research has been done, we know what what potential risk we're dealing with? Is the research actually going to be done? Is anyone going to fund this research? Is it's, it, it sounds like it's uh, it sounds like it's stepping up a notch. And Alan Shearer spoke to someone from uh, I think it was from the PFA that he spoke to, and they were saying that they were stepping up um, like the research yeah. on the issue. And they were like charging towards it and like wanting to. Uh, open people's eyes to it and find out what the what the risks were but um yeah it's just quite interesting that in america they have banned children from doing it whereas in england that's not really the case i mean they did speak to uh qpr's director of football as Ferdinand did that in the pc of the day and he was saying about um he'd be open to this discussion of using soft footballs for for children and people coming through the academy just almost until they know what the threat is so is, is that an idea which Class touched on that already, haven't you? I think we'd, we'd all probably agree to to go along that route yeah, with soccer so. footballs. I mean, going back to the research, then, there's, there's been 92 football league clubs for how many years? Mm-hmm. You, you'd have to go to every single club and, and go through the years and say, right, every single person who played for this professional club for, for this period of time come forward, all the families come forward, and, you know, what happened to those people who played... Mm-hmm. And then, then you'd be able to, to find out. But unless something like that happens, that's a major undertaking. Well, this research needs money, doesn't it? And it also needs the the input of the people that have been involved. Um, and uh, as we've already touched on, there's lots of people out there who've, who wouldn't, probably wouldn't come forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a huge undertaking, um, and it's not it's not an issue that I think is going to get sorted anytime soon. Um, but it's, I think it's good that it's come to the fore and and, it, and someone has taken it upon themselves to try and bring it to the front of people's minds. Um, QPR fans have probably tell us that they've been crying out for some kind of research into Alzheimer's for years because their greatest player is, has suffered with it four years. Um, now, there's, there's, as Clive said, he wasn't known for heading the ball, so what impact football had on him, but... We don't know, um, but issues of the mind need to be looked at um, in, in greater detail, um, and, and yeah, someone's got to take it upon themselves to, to do it. Um, and it just—I don't know where the money's going to come from to actually to, to see it through. Well, I'm sure is in a privileged position to be able to do that. He works for the BBC. Yeah. He obviously wants to do it, and that's that's great from his point of view. But there must have been someone in the past who might have thought about doing something like this that hasn't had the, the opportunity to do what he's done. So uh, you do have to applaud him for it. But, you know, it needs more people to get behind yes. it because it, it can't just be a one-off. It can't just be Alan Shearer doing a documentary and saying, well, I've done my bit, I tried, and then everyone forgetting about it in two weeks' time. 
more people have got to come forward and, and start thinking about making this research work. Mm-hmm. I think that comes from the that comes from the football clubs, doesn't it? I mean, it does. How it worked with the, um, the the heart issues that people were having was they started taking a more hands-on approach with it at the football clubs and taking more responsibility for it. So does it come with them investing in the necessary technology to be able to, I suppose, check up on players' brains to see whether they are having an impact or whether they've been impacted at all during that time uh, with, the, with this kind of issue? Well, the defibrillators were brought in almost universally across the board, weren't mm-hmm. they, after the issues with Mwamba and, and, mm-hmm. and others? Mm-hmm. I think Alan Shearer said that within, within six months of, um, of that actually happening, I think he said that all 92 clubs in the Football League had a defibrillator at the ground like we're within that time frame. So that was quite swift yeah. turnaround to, uh, to get that rolled out across the board. And maybe that's something that they'll, they'll have to look at doing um, for, for this kind of issue. Well, no, no one knows what they've got. Not many people will know what they've got. Mm-hmm. The, the defibrillator is there because if it happens to you, they can deal with it. But mm-hmm. with heading of football, that's the cumulative mm-hmm. thing. You know, no one's going to stop playing football because they think they might drop down from a heart complaint, aren't mm-hmm. they? Because they're not going to know that. Mm-hmm. But if people knew that heading of football was giving you a cumulative damage, they might consider not. Well, it's, it's easier to have defibrillators to, to help out with something that happens, but how easy is it to organise for your entire squad to have an MRI scan every mm-hmm. six exactly. months or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. That's, that, uh, that's a huge undertaking as well, mm-hmm. and getting a squad to, into a, a hospital to have an MRI scan, because mm-hmm. they can't have the machines for an MRI scan at every football club, can they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're only going to have those at hospitals, so... It's, it's a lot more difficult to, to find out. But that doesn't mean we should just give up on it, does it? Right. It doesn't mean we should just say, well, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Some, someone's got to take it on and it's got to be... Yeah, and, and, and hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's what will happen uh, from this point. Obviously, it has opened a few people's eyes. There's had quite a, quite a reaction on, on social media and, and in the football world as well. So hopefully it has opened people's eyes and it will force people into action to at least do the research to see whether there is a correlation between... Uh, playing football and the potential onset of dementia in, in later life. So, That's what uh, we need. We need some kind of conclusive proof, don't we, mm-hmm. before anyone can say, right, hang on, let's take a step back. Let's mm-hmm. look at how we're making footballs and how we're letting people head the ball. Children as well. It's a, it's a huge issue. How many children are there out on a Sunday morning playing football for their local clubs and getting told to head the ball? Mm-hmm. I mean, you only, you only need to look at um, how... Charlton QPR warm up on a match day. They'll have the four defenders in a line in the corner of the pitch, won't they? With someone throwing the ball yeah, out and yeah, someone hitting yeah. it out, and they'll do that for about 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. won't they? Yeah. Um, which you would expect down the pyramid at grassroots and with kids' clubs and things like that. They're only going to see what's happening at the top level and mm-hmm. say, right, this is how we train our players. We train our players like that. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that every day. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're encouraging our children to head these balls and, de- and there is an effect, on heading footballs with dementia, then it needs to stop, really, doesn't it? We need to find ways to to lessen the impact mm-hmm. uh, on our children's brains. Mm-hmm. Did, um, did 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 Shira say anything about whether whether he was going to take the, the research any further? If he was, there was going to be any more from him, like any more documentaries or anything like that? Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think he said anything um, himself about doing it. But obviously, he did, he did speak to, to people at the PFA, spoke to people in in the big organisations that matter, the people that are going to be responsible for rolling this out, and he did get a really good reaction from it. So, um, so hopefully, they will they will take that on board. And he he has been 
extremely passionate about this mm. about this topic. He's been he's been talking about it for, for a couple of weeks in albeit part of it was I suppose like building up for his documentary that was on the BBC. But he's uh, it is a, a matter that's um, that's close to his heart. It is uh, a key issue for people who are having to are and were having to, to head the ball um, regularly in in the jobs and so it, it is something that he's, he's got a vested interest in and hopefully he'll be the the spearhead, so to speak, in, in seeing this come to fruition and seeing the research done, and then we can conclusively say whether there's an issue or or there's not. The fact he did the documentary has got a lot of kudos, I think, mm. and he needs to then carry it forward. If that was just a normal documentary on Channel 4 mm. or something that wasn't high profile mm. and it wasn't Alan Shearer, then not many people mm. may have watched it. But the fact it was him, there was the build up, it was well known. And the fact that he, during the documentary he had a genuine concern when he was going for his, his brain scan, he was like, well, I'm actually really nervous yeah, about yeah. this because he, he didn't know what he was going to find. It was um, He was as probably not as naive to the issue as what, yeah. what the rest of us were in the build-up to it, thinking, oh, that, that wouldn't happen. But then mm. when, when this idea has come up, we've gone, well, God, well, I have no idea what's happening inside, inside my yeah. own head. I don't know whether this is going to be an issue moving forward. And so it's probably quite eye-opening for him to... Um, to get the brain scan, but then also see the research and it was like seeing the difference in um like how the brain functions after he did after he did twenty headers, um and there was a definite difference in in, in brain function no, during that time, and that's just after doing twenty headers. Mm. So um, it was certainly eye opening for him and anyone else who was who was watching it. So the thing is, it's about calculating risk as well, isn't it? I mean, boxers know that they're taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Other people know in different sports they're taking a risk, but in football no one has really appreciated the fact that there is a risk. So this is where I think it's it's slightly different with football. Alan Shearer said, is this a killing game? Do we know what we're doing? And I think that's the interesting part of it for me, because if you go into boxing and you know you're going to get hit a few times, you, you, you are aware. But in football, we're sending all these kids out to play football and hit balls and training routines and... We just think it's normal. You don't expect anything to happen, do you? don't expect anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's quite an interesting uh, facet of it from my point of view. You know, is, is, is there a problem? And should you therefore be able to make a, mm-hmm. an informed decision, do I want to be a footballer or not, if that's what I've got to do? I think Shearer needs to challenge the FA. Um, <laughs> they get criticised left, right and centre, don't they, the FA for their rules and what happens behind the scenes and things they do or things they don't do. And this is one issue where if Shearer takes it to them, they can they can win friends and, and really boost their profile and their popularity by actually funding some research into this and, and moving it forward from, from what Shearer started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, hopefully um, you guys found that interesting today, uh, something a bit different for our podcast. Um, QPR are back in action um, this weekend against Aston Villa and we will be back next week to um, look back on that game hopefully three points for the R's we will see you next week (laughs) 